Coming at you from the virtual Green Dragon Tavern. And this is where we will be discussing dangerous ideas. And of course, uh, all of the great um, headlines, stuff that is uh, coming up and coming down the pipe man do we have a you there yeah can you hear me there yeah there you <laughs> are that was weird i just didn't I heard you talking, and then all of a sudden, cut out. Huh. All right. Well, I am here and handing it off to you. So, what's up, man? Well, not a whole lot. Just uh, getting ready for a range morning. Nice. Do some. Uh, I got a new new mount for my <clears throat> PTR ninety one. So I'm gonna. Go uh, zero and optic with that. Ooh. And, uh, got the old got the old HK action going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I decided mm. to get a uh, <clears throat> one of the low profile mounts for it. Instead of the nice. old, uh, HK cloth. It sits it sits too high and I got rid of the claw a while back, but I still had a uh, one of the old B square uh, mounts. Yeah. Which sat just about as high and uh it just I, I I haven't had an optic on it because it just I got tired of that and uh, decided to get one of their uh, low profile mounts and then put the uh, primary arms one to six on it and see what it'll nice. do with some one sixty eights. Well, right on, man. Um, yeah, one of the the coolest weapons setups that of of any type that I've ever seen was an Iranian contract G3 because this is uh, not really known to people outside of the, the Middle East region, but the G3 was um, and still is manufactured in Iran. It, it's very, very mm -hmm. popular there. Um, HK, back during the time of the Shah, uh, licensed the, the, uh, the production of the G3 in Tehran and they still do they still
seen a um, this was back in, in 2010. This is the first time that I ever seen a low power variable op in person. What was that? A short dot thing? Yeah. 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 And, and I remember uh, looking up how much those were <laughs> and like, wow. I uh, had sticks for shock, you know, because it, it, it cost more than I was making a month um, deployed back then. And uh, I was like, man, yeah. It was seriously, though, it was one of the coolest rifles. Um, he had had the trigger reworked on it because, you know, the, the HK G3 has a yeah. uh, HK 91 has a notoriously heavy trigger on it. And um, he is actually broke pretty clean. Trigger. A lot of fun, man. That was a that was a really really nice rifle. Yeah, they're uh... yeah 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 it, it, that yeah that's that's who he, he got to do it. And um, Bill Springfield is is kind of the the HK guru of triggers mm-hmm. and a few other things to the the roller lock mechanism and everything else. Man, it was nice, but. Um, that was a, it was a sweet rifle. The only bad thing I can say about it is, dude, it was heavy. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I um, weighed it. And, uh, you know, and, and I mean, yeah, with, it, it's, it was over 10 pounds. Well, it's um, mine with an empty 20-round aluminum mag in it with the, the optic I just put on it and a uh, Midwest rail. Um, it Well, okay, to be honest, it's also got a purse four and, and a uh, – a surefire light so that adds a little bit but with an empty mag aluminum mag it's uh 12 and three quarter pounds Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> but, but i mean there nah, that's too i mean much, you know man. i love the uh the description mel tappen used to describe the trigger on an hk91 was he said it was the worst trigger he had ever used this tie, this side of a Mattel cap pistol. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the stock ones. But, but there's, that's I mean, about I could, right. I, I, it's one of the most accurate rifles. It's that sounds about right. The, the terrible trigger. Um, if you if you apply the fundamentals, it it will that rifle uh in the rack grade rifle will will pretty much outshoot about anything else out there i mean it's it's hard to believe how how well they do especially yeah. like i said with that trigger um but the uh yeah like i said i want to see I've, I've only ever shot uh ball through it i want to see how it'll do with uh some 168s and some 175s because it's the the primary or the primary the the uh, uh ptr's newer rifles like i guess it was since 2015 when they redesignated the the model numbers um it has a one in ten twist and it had had uh, the deeper flutes like the original h and k's did um to make it <clears throat> give it that more reliability but it's uh but it's a one in ten twist yeah and I, and mine's the the gi the model 100 which is it didn't have I, I didn't want the Picatinny rail on the top because I still had stuff from my original HK91, including a brass buffer 
to snap over the uh, ejection port. So you can do that with that welded rail, and uh, and it's got the 18-inch uh, the the HK profile barrel. So uh, which is you know one, probably one of the best compromises uh, for a rifle barrel in 308. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's a happy medium. You know, you can, you can shoot heavy ball. You can Since it has shoot, no gas system. Uh, you know, you can go kind of light. Since it has no, no standard uh, type of but, gas. But you know, pretty much, it, it, that's uh, a good utilitarian. The, I mean, you know, yeah. I was actually telling a buddy of mine yeah, the other yeah. day we were talking about them, and I, he said, "Well, I thought you were in HKs and or the FALs and M, M1As." I said, "Oh, don't get me wrong, I I am." I said, "But the uh, we were talking about robustness, and I said, look, I said the HK design, and especially in the '91, um, it's one of the most robust um, and and accurate." systems out there i said it's i i have never seen a part break on an hk91 and i've had well i've had an hk91 i've had an sar3 and i have the ptr91 and i have even though i have a bunch of spare parts i have never seen one of their parts break and if you if you, when you break the gun down you you realize why it's because everything is is it, it's german it's over engineered it's it's really really uh Heavy, heavy, heavy duty, heavy built. So, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's uh, uh, uh yeah. well, all those rifles like that, man. They, they all definitely give me accuracy. Was the the pig of the litter. Uh, followed by the AR-10, uh, just just because of mm. the the gas system and well, at least with the GP system, the the, the lack thereof. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all of them. So. But, you know, <laughs> well, you know me, I'm, though, I'm, I'm a 308 guy. Time so for a reason. That's that's uh, majority what I have, and and um, but the thing is, I can rebuild an M14. Can you hear me? You there? Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. I think it's Scout. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I can rebuild. I can rebuild an FAL and an M14. As far as the, uh, it's pretty easy to put a new barrel on and stuff. Compare, but when you compare it to say the uh, the G3 system or the AK system, it's a, it's a lot harder for a rebuild <clears throat> because of the design. So. But they generally don't wear out either. The AKs and G3s are two of the more robust systems out there. You still hear me, Johnny? Yeah, I can hear you. Those are those are some rock solid rifles. I've actually um, only fired the PTR, and I fired a really beat up, like set me, mm -hmm. and I've. And that thing was really beat up, and that was like a, that yeah. was like a six MOA gun. That thing was old and beat up, 
And then uh, yeah. a friend of mine has a um, a set me with that cool like Spanish green color on it, mm-hmm. and um, that's a good gun. That's that's actually a brand new one, and uh, and that that's that's an that's a fine firearm. Uh, they're all very solid. I think the um, I think that's a um, miss uh, misunderstood rifle in today's you know, world of ARs and the reinvented mm-hmm. variants of the M14 that we see. Yeah, and, well, um, yeah, it, it's it's a little more conducive to an optic than an M1A is. Um, <clears throat> it's lighter than the FAL. Um, it's a stamp, you know, stamp receiver as opposed to a milled receiver. And uh, the, one of the, one of the things, I mean, I've actually thought about getting one of the heavy barrel PTRs and putting a PSG one or an MSG trigger group in it and, and, uh, getting one of their PSG one type stocks and, and building a precision rifle because they're, they're not hard to, to build a really accurate rig. Um, but yet at the same time, I'm like, well, in, in the, in the world of practicality, I mean, I already have a match M one a, um, and in a couple bolt guns, it'll do quarter MOA if I do my part. So I'm, you know, kind of hard pressed to see the re- a reason to spend the money on that when there's other things that <laughs> need to be attended to. All right, I was waiting for you to wait for you, you to hit a stop. You now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know what yeah. happened there, man. It's it's uh. Some of Madman Actual's NSA buddies are uh, playing games, <laughs> or maybe it's just—I uh, <laughs> don't know, man. I don't know. It's been some—it's been some weird internet shenanigans uh, past few days. Anyway, because you got anyway. Boost Mobile for internet. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Boost Mobile. I went with Cricket. Okay. Oh, All right. Right. Boost, Boost doesn't exist now. I had Boost, and they said they were shutting it down the end of end of 2021, and I had to go to really? T-Mobile. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a couple yeah, guys involved that had to get rid of their Boost Mobile. They were pretty upset about it. <sighs> yeah, I was too. I had it since 2012. <laughs> nah, the the problem is I, I pipeline everything through Tor, and um. Sometimes Tor Tor is a little finicky, man. Tor Tor can be a little finicky uh, from time to time. So especially uh, you know when we we start screwing around in Europe and uh, you know for <laughs> apparently no no apparent reason, uh, as we are finding out right now uh, with it. The, the Secretary of State Anthony Blinken getting recalled to Washington because NATO has literally fallen apart. Uh, at the seams, what it, what it looks like, and and the crazy thing is, we're we're gonna dive deeper into this once we get through the introductions. But uh, the crazy thing is, is that this, this quote unquote NATO alliance, um, everybody's like, eh. you know, it's it's like the gang fight. Everybody's getting juiced up, and they're all like, yeah, man, we're gonna go whoop their ass. And then you see them, and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah man, I, you you're good, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> it went from NATO, NATO to uh, NATO. 
Yeah, NATO to the United States and Britain. And no, I'm sorry yeah. uh, my, to my British brothers out there. I'm not calling it Great Britain anymore. It's just Britain. Um, it's just Britain. <laughs> let's just let let's just let's be honest. It's just Britain. Uh, Johnny Paratrooper, you down there? You're saying it's England. It is. It, no, England is is one of the kingdoms of the United Kingdom. Uh, but it's it is Britain um, all together. It's not Britain. Britain has ceased officially ceased to be great, and uh, they they got the great card revoked. And and don't worry, America has the great card revoked as well. Um, look at what we have as a president. Uh, so, and how dare you look at what we have as the vice president? Former vice president. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Johnny Pouchupa, what's up, brother? Uh, drinking, buddy. I drinking. I have one of those. Not a late call, but not an early call tomorrow. I'm kind of on. I got. I know what I got to do, and it can fit into my schedule. So you got a you got a zero nine first formation. That's what. You Basically, got. yeah, that's exactly Basically, what's uh, going uh, on. Uh, yeah, uh, it literally. Uh, yes. That's that's that is like there's gonna be some drinking happening in the barracks. Uh, zero nine yeah. first formation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, about happening. to be drink, drank, drunk up in here. <laughs> I'm drinking uh, Dos Equis Amber Especial. Oh, that's and a good it, one. That yeah, is a that is a good beer. It is. I went out for some spicy tacos the other day, and they were serving 32 ounce uh, mugs of this stuff, frosty mugs. Yeah. And now I'm back on the Dos Equis, buddy. I'm back. I'm back on the Dos Equis. Can't help it, man. I'm back. <laughs> Back on it, man. I, I, I was, it was good, man. I was, I was on the wagon for a while, and then I fell off, man. And then I'm, I'm back on it. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, did you ever, when you were a teenager? Because we're about the same age. Um, when you were a teenager. Did you ever play Grand Theft Auto? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You, of course you did. You degenerate. Yep. Um, but I also you know lived how, it like, too. <laughs> You know how you could just walk around the city and like the people would talk to you as you were you were going around, like it and it didn't matter. Like it, it could be the original one. It could have been uh, Vice City. I didn't play any of the others after that because they that was when I got into high school and I liked looking at titties a lot more. But um, you could <laughs> you could walk around, you could walk around the city and people would talk to you. And there was a bum that you could always go and you could hustle him for money, but he wouldn't have any money. So it really didn't matter. Right. But he'd, you'd walk by him. He'd go, yep, I've been drinking again. That's what you <laughs> remind me of. That yep, is what you remind me of. Again. Yep. Yeah. I've been drinking dose of geese again. <laughs> you know a song about having a drinking problem? Uh, which one? <laughs> yeah, I got no problem oh, drinking. That's a whole song, obviously. That's obviously a whole country song. <laughs> oh man, Dosa Keys. Speaking of Dosa Keys, Madman Actual, what's up, my dude? Oh, I'm enjoying uh, some Granddad 114 and some Coke. Oh. I feel like shit. Oh man, that yeah. is a. That's a rare choice, a good yeah. choice, but a rare one. It's a uh, it's pretty stiff, man. 
you know, I, I don't mind old granddad. I never minded it. Now, I mean, after you get through the first couple sips, you're a little too tipsy to give a shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was it. It's better than some of its contemporaries in its genre. It's certainly better than Evan Williams. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. hey, Evan Williams. I would. What yes. we always called the E, uh, the E Dubs. Not worth it. Not. Yeah, worth it's like the Milwaukee's uh, beast of whiskey. Oh. <laughs> hey man, but that wow. green label, dude. Hey, that is the finest right eight bucks. Finest eight bucks you can always can get on a park. Evan Williams at you the, should the, have the a corner stores in Japan. Bag around it. Two of y'all were talking at once. Go ahead. So, so you're saying you should have a paper bag around it? Yes. Yes. Roger. In fact, I've always drank Evan Williams with a paper bag around it. I didn't know that there was any other way to drink Evan Williams. <laughs> it's actually um, the insulated a federal guy crime to paper. not do so. <laughs> oh man there so there there i was this one time right and i was listening to david allen co and i invented a drinking game with evan williams and david allen co where um you listen to the perfect country and western song and every time he says you never call me by my name you take a shot you get really really drunk in a hurry and that is how you wake up in cardboard boxes. Bad. You look like your beverage. Yes. Let's do it. It's a fact. It's a fact. I don't recommend it. I do not recommend it. Um, I am no longer a teenager, and that shit hurts. So, not a good idea. Not a good idea. But speaking of not a good idea, Mechmatic. What's up, my dude? What up? <laughs> That's oh, the best introduction man. I've heard in a while. Speaking of not good ideas, speaking hey, of Maddox. not good ideas, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be uh, doing the, uh, the winter I'm warfare the edition. Of those. Yeah, the the winter warfare edition of <laughs> uh, TC three course this weekend. All right. Frostbite yeah. for the win. Shall be a great time. Yes. For, for those of you with balls big enough to attend. It's going to be a little frosty. It's going to be a little frosty. It's going to be a little cold. Oh. Might need some old granddad. A little, little bit. I think snow's on the... Uh... <laughs> uh, hey, we're going to have plenty of snow where I'm at. Well, that's for sure. Ah, Patriot man. What's up? What's up? What's up? I was uh, doing <laughs> classwork actually. Yeah, I was doing. Uh, I was doing classwork. The the professor emeritus of well, inebriation. Patriot <laughs> man. Fucking a. That's right. <laughs> I'll take that title. Well, no, nah, I mean, you know, it, yeah, why not? The title of nobility around here. So, yeah, yeah, yeah well. Well, well, I'm very honored. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll make my speech later. Um, no, I'm doing a doing a program in two class this semester because you know I decided the two bachelor degrees and a master's degree wasn't enough. I'm going to get an IT cert now too, and I'm already like a weekend, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going. On. You're an, you're an underachiever. Uh, That's well, what you are. Yeah, you little yeah. underachiever, you. You just telling you, man. 
you know. What they need to do is give them something with a silver, with a disc on the end of it and a silver silver sash. That'll make them feel like oh, the accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, just don't cut it. Yeah. No. Well, wow. Well, sash of nobility. <laughs> sash of nobility. He no, nah, like, like you know when you you go to a college graduation and like all all the. Uh, the department heads and stuff are wearing like their their crazy outfits because you know like yeah. you, when yeah. you know you, you get you get a master's degree you get hooded and everything but then like the the ones that have the multiple PhDs and they're wearing some shit like out of the Renaissance man and you're just like what <laughs> you, you know what they look like. <laughs> But what they, the fuck are they fucking wearing? They look like you know? a Harry Potter convention. <laughs> yes, yes, like, absolutely do. Like, oh are my you, god, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and, and um, there's a couple. It's like I don't even know what those colors mean. Neither do they. Yep. That's that they don't know either. <laughs> they don't know. You ask them, you're like, "What is all this?" They're like, uh, well, I, I picked this up at the Renaissance Fair, so <laughs> this is this is where I drop my drop my alcohol. <laughs> it's actually a stain. It's not a friggin' that doesn't mean, mean anything. I mean, I would, I would, I, I would, I don't know, man. I, I, if I wore all that one time, I would be tempted to wear it all the time. Like, like the Middle Ages education system, like you, you know, because that, that's where it all comes. Original from. Oxford. So yeah, so you're saying it's it's a full body version of the our the army's fruit salad. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Well, it is. Yeah. You mean like yeah. when assistant division commanders write their own silver star? Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! And then you end up as the Secretary of Defense. Well, Silver Star. Uh, yes. I don't know who you yes. could be talking about there. Man, uh, I ever heard about the officers during Grenada that never left Bragg that that wrote themselves up for CIBs. I mean, they got found out eventually, but there were officers that never left Bragg during Grenada that put themselves in for CIBs and apparently were wearing them. Until they got hey, don't out. talk about bug rights like that, okay? <laughs> don't, don't talk about bug rights like the that. The most right? decorated the, special forces. Uh, Ran, look, ever. Rambo 2 was written about bug rights, according to bug rights. So. Only the knife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's one that I, I'm sure a few of our listeners out there are like, huh? Uh, go look it up. Look it up. Uh, Bo Grites. Mm-hmm. It's spelled Grites. Yeah, I remember when he was, he was talking about it. I think the Source only thing he might have in me. common was whenever they cut the uh, leech off his pecker when they pulled him up out of that swampy water. Uh, uh. Yeah. Anyway, changing gears since that was, uh, <laughs> that, that was a great mental image there. Changing Thanks. gears. So, <laughs> title of the Sons of Liberty this episode, Wag the Dog Edition, of course, going back to uh, the late '90s movie with Dustin Hoffman, "Wag the Dog," in um, where the spin doctors working in the White House, and of course, this was during the the horribly and tumultuous uh, Clinton years, horribly unpopular years of 
uh, the presidency of William Clinton, where the media was just not uh, really couldn't carry the water for him because it looked like things were, were spiraling out of control, uh, as chronicled in uh, American Scandal most recently that was um, pretty neat and I thought well done. Uh, mini series as podcast series as well. But anyway, it, Wag the Dog was kind of an interesting movie because they created the media created a fake war to get the president's poll numbers up. And it's a very interesting concept of how um, really the the origin of this whole idea of fake news and uh, the, the media carrying the water for politicians and the intertwinedness of uh, politics and media and corporate media structure. It has some very interesting questions. And of course, you know, we look back uh, historically and, and, you know, now we're here we are in 2022 and man, it, it's almost like, uh, you know, Madman, you and I, we, we talked about this in the last podcast that we did. We had, um, I've had several other people, Tactical Wisdom, that is down in the live chat section, you know, just did one where we were talking about these very concepts. And lo and behold, this stuff seems to be uh, happening. We made a prediction. I made a project, uh, a, a prediction and a projection. I was kind of conflating the words a little bit that we were most likely not going to go to war in Ukraine. It is a diversion for something else. And there's a lot of saber rattling and whatnot going on. And I do recall, I could be wrong, but I do recall that if, uh, that when I said, they said that we're going to deploy troops to Eastern Europe, that they were going to go to Poland. And here it is. That is exactly where they are going to be placed. And that the troops that were going into Belarus, the Russian troops that were there, were going there to bolster Belarus as a buffer state against NATO. So it's looking like, and and right now, now you, you know, in, in that week's time since we talked about this on the last Sons of Liberty episode and then the subsequent interviews we've had since, it's looking like that is exactly the picture that is being painted. It is looking more and more. There were some protests that broke out in Ukraine. They were kind of small and isolated, but, you know, that's the way it always goes. I expect uh, Zelensky that is the, the current president of Ukraine, I expect regime change to occur, and I expect it to occur pretty soon, probably after the uh, Winter Olympics over in China, and that's where you're going to see things really start to pick up. Um, but as far as us having a, a quote-unquote war with the Russians, I don't see that as being likely. It's just my opinion. It's just what I'm observing. I think that right now we are the aggressors in all of this, and we need to take a few steps back. But there's some other interesting developments that have come out, too, and we're going to be discussing those. Anyway, just a quick roundtable, guys. What are your thoughts about that, and what are your, um, what are your observations? Well, I'll jump in here. It's pretty, pretty close to the reality. Um, the... Obviously, we're the aggressor. Um, I mean, we, we've been every time you, you, we turn around, you, we're putting another round in the chamber to to uh, do it. And and it's you know, uh, you and I talked about it the other week. It, it's it, 
it's obvious that it's a huge distraction. Um, you mentioned Wag the Dog. Uh, there was a movie that came out before that ever did. It was called Canadian Bacon. It was when we went to war with Canada. They, they made up a war with Canada because Alan Alda, the president, uh, needed to fix his numbers. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it seems like it's one of the oldest, oldest political tricks in the book. And uh, I think that's a good observation. Yeah. Yeah, Canadian Bacon. I had forgot about that. I had completely forgot about that. I'm sure there was one. I'm sure there was a there was a movie probably prior to that one. Maybe an obscure one. But yeah, Canadian Bacon, that was a good one. That mm -hmm. was a good one. John Candy. <laughs> yeah. The late great John Candy. Yeah. Uh you know, reasons why fat guys shouldn't do cocaine. Um <laughs> Every I'm telling you, if you if you're if you're a comedian and you're you're a fat dude, don't do cocaine. Just telling you. We've seen too many. We lost too many good good ones to it. That's for sure. I know, man, I know. It's like the only one that's still living is Joey Diaz. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Patriot Man, you had some things. I was just going to bring up, um, there seems to be something that um, a CNN um, reporter looks like they accidentally kind of, they published it without thinking and then got a call from the White House. Basically, it was um, it was CNN journal Natasha Bertrand. She deleted tweets. Basically, it was a section of an article that was talking about where Ukraine president was like, basically telling Biden, hey, calm the fuck down. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like you need to calm down. Like our intelligence is not saying this other European intelligence is not saying this. And Biden's like, no, you need to prepare for impact. Like you, like you're, they're freaking out. And so then it was deleted. She deleted the tweets and then it was deleted off of CNN. And then Zelensky's uh, office released a statement saying, oh, those are, there's an accurate right when the white house did. And right when CNN retracted it, so it was like they let the cat out of the bag that, oh, really, it's the United States that's driving this and that Ukrainians aren't nearly as worried as you think they would be based on the rhetoric from the White House. Mm. So About very that. interesting. This, this all happened in the past hour or so. Um, <laughs> so the, the call was reported as not going well. No. So, yeah. Well, I put the article down there, which has a link to what was um, what was said in it. But it is very interesting. I mean, Zelensky was literally like he listened to Biden and was like, no, no, no. Like, you're not helping. You're making everyone panic. This isn't good. And yeah, then all of a sudden they all released a statement at the same time as it disappeared off the Internet that it was uh, it was. Like Oops. Yeah. Oops. John and Paratrooper, you you had run a piece. You had run a piece up on American Partisan where um, basically it was talking about Nord Stream two, and I didn't dive too deep into that one because uh, I've been I've been extremely busy for the past two days. But um, what's going on with that? So, um, yeah, that's 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 good. That's an excellent question. So there's, I had to give myself a crash course on that this week. 
because there's, you know, the meme going around and, and the comment section and not just on AP, uh, a lot of the times when we, the, the AP guys and the forum guys talk about the comment section, we're not just, ref- we're referring to like the universal comment section that you see all over all the of the royal major. We. Yeah, the royal <laughs> we. Because it, 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 it is, um, it, it does uh, kind of get a little, um, it turns into a little bit of an echo chamber. Also, you can only write like 256 characters in many comment sections. And so people don't really uh, write too much. They write these like one-liners and that's the truth, right? And that's not the truth. So about uh, Nord Stream 2. So there there are uh, two pipelines. There's what's called, um, there's what's referred to as the corridor which are the uh, main and primary pipelines that supply uh, oil and gas all over Europe. And, and those are called Central Corridor or Corridor. And, and that's just, the, that's just the, the term used to describe them. And they're, they're smaller, older school style of pipes that, that we, you might be familiar with, like the one that you might be able to see driving down the street, probably buried, um, I know the ones in Maryland are buried out of sight and out of mind. Um, one of them is actually in my backyard. Um, however, and that's a gas line, and it's one of the smaller gas lines, not the main distribution gas lines, but it, it's a distribution supply gas line nonetheless, and it is a high-pressure gas line. Um, however, uh, so th- that's the corridor, and then so there's Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, and they actually run – uh, damn near parallel to each other. And so Nord Stream 1 was finished in 2011, and it was given a exemption for European bundling laws or German. I believe it was actually German bundling, anti-bungling or bundling laws. Um, there, Remember, a lot of this stuff is translated, so it you know you might get a word here or a word there that changes. Um, however, they built a second one, which was, as far as I can tell, always the plan. And, uh, and it's supposed to supply, um, it's damn, it's an identical pipeline as far as I can tell. And that one was actually put on hold in November, which is interesting because they gave an exemption to the first one and, uh, part of anti, uh, bungling or bundling laws is that the, the, owner of the pipeline cannot be the same as the supplier and the distributor. They have to be separate, kind of like in Maryland, we have these laws that break up. uh, That's to prevent conflict of interest. Yeah, it's basically an antitrust law. Yes. Or or law preventing members of Congress from being able to conduct insider trading. Yes. And another, it has another effect of creating more jobs. Um, so like in Maryland, we have, um, you can't have a, uh, you can't sell alcohol in a grocery store and in other places you, you can go to the grocery store and buy beer and that's cool. Um, not that big of a deal, but in Maryland, it actually like the, the meme, like, oh, you can't pass a law and create jobs. That's actually not true. You can pass laws and create jobs. Um, now, the debate could be on whether or not that's po- beneficial for the economy or not. 
I think it is. It does create a separate section of jobs and a whole new industry. And it, it needs to, it's supposed to be separate. Um, now, if your cousin owns the liquor store and you own the grocery store, like, is that really separate? Well, it is on paper. So, so yeah, that, you know, that's, a, that's a conversation. That's probably a 45 minute conversation about how that works. But so, uh, yeah, so that's, what's going on with Nord Stream. Well, interestingly enough, in the spring, there were a series of exercises. Like I was saying, as the leaves on the trees in the last podcast, there was a series of exercises and there were some reports written uh, in this in the spring and summer of last year about Russian movements uh, troop movements and equipment movements. Well, by November, um, the leaves had fallen off the trees because Europe and, and America t- are in the same hemisphere and, and along many of the same equatorial lines. So we have a lot of the same trees, types of trees, not the exact same species. But our, our climates are very similar. And so, uh, yep, around uh, around November, all the leaves were off the trees. And it sure as shit, that military equipment was sitting right where it had been left. So that was a little threatening. And now what came first? Did they know they were going to block the pipeline and, and, and force some licensing and, and discretionary issues? Now, if you read the article, it actually says that that agency has no real authority to block the pipeline and that the real the only um, thing that the 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 agency can do is uh, put a um, one time one million dollar fine on the company. And and that's it. So, um, you know, they could start pumping tomorrow and, uh, you know, so you lose money for the first two hours of pumping the Nord Stream too, right? And then yeah. after that, it's, it's just pure profit. What's interesting though is if you think about that, why, why didn't they just turn it on and, and everyone's just like, you know what? Fuck everybody. Like we're just here to make money. I think, and, and yes, you know, there's a lot of saber rattling going on. There's a lot of dick measuring going on. Um, you know, the Omicron, I know for a fact that, Omicron is kind of wearing down a little bit right now. It was very destructive. Uh, not, it was destructive. There's, there's, um, there's some stuff I know professionally that I won't disclose uh, due to non-disclosure agreements. But it, it was, it was bad, man. And um, so that uh, that did happen. And and um, anyway, the president needs the next news cycle for the president, right? The news is in the business of the news. They want you glued to the TV. Um, You know, they have advertiser concerns and, but at the, at the end of the day, they also are, you know, the, the fourth or the fifth estate or the fourth estate, the fourth branch or the fifth estate or whatever. Um, There is that going on. There's, there's um, also um, some considerations like if, there is a buildup going on in Latin America, war, war between states and, and between groups and ideologies is, is a constant um, in constant flux. And it's like a giant game of tug of war. So if, if they're going to start cutting deals, if China's going to start cutting deals with Chile and Russia and, and China's building the new Silk Road, the Maritime Silk Road and, and, the, and, the, yep. and the, the new Silk Road, 
Well, this is something that I just learned about in the last two weeks that that is the real secret. Um, and it has been in the news and, and written about by major news outlets. But Russia is building the Arctic Road. And man, they have built the most incredible infrastructure. Fuck, it's incredible. And go check out that article. Um, it has a cool title. I posted it. I can repost it because it's definitely one of those things we need to repost. It's going to be evergreen for about a month until the next news cycle comes out. Um, I don't think we're the ones that that started this. I think when the leaves fell off the trees, our imagery came back and that those fucking tanks and BMP twos, threes and 27s and 29s and, you know, all kinds of stuff was just sitting around in trucks and 30,000 extra troops. And I think we were like, hey, you assholes. And so, you know, they don't have to block the pipeline. They could have turned the pipeline on four months ago. That's what this article is telling you. Like, you got to learn how to read between the lines. And why didn't they turn it on? They could have made that million dollars in 20 minutes of pumping gas and and then paid out the fine and then be done with it, right? So there's there's something going on, and I don't think we're going to get involved in Ukraine. I've been researching Ukraine quite a bit uh, after work today, and so there's some interesting things about Ukraine. Ukraine was the largest economy outside of Russia in the USSR. That was only 30 years ago. So the 90s were a loss for the Ukraine, right? And, and so they actually reorganized some stuff, took out some loans, built some infrastructure, built some, built some factories, updated their you know, furnaces and, and smelting plants and, and steel manufacturing plants and ore mining operations and their refinement, mostly to make it like more energy efficient in most respects and, and to streamline a lot of their, their infrastructure to just make it cheaper to, to, to do business. And their economy actually started coming back, but it collapsed and uh, 2008, 2009. Well, then it started coming back again and then Russia invaded. Now there's a lot of stuff about like why Russia invaded and why they, why, you know, it's the Ukraine's fault and why it's Russia's fault. And there's a lot of stuff going back and forth. I think actually that this is purely my opinion. I think that Russian sympathizers, because remember it was, it was only a communist country 30 years ago. So if you were 30 years old when Soviet Russia collapsed, are you suddenly not a communist anymore? <laughs> no. Like, so anyone that was 50 years old 10 years ago was definitely actively involved in trying to work with Russia in Ukraine. And I think that they sabotage. Well, there was another, it was called the Orange Revolution, I believe in 2004, but that was yeah. apparently a failure, um, apparently total failure. Um, but then they tried the same thing again in 2014, and it really transmutated into this clusterfuck that we're looking at right now and it it actually turns out to have like morphed into a a war of of national independence in many respects and i understand you know it's eastern europe like we can talk about corruption all day long and we'll accomplish nothing (laughs) that's all communism is in practice is just the the solidification of corruption that's all it is I mean, yeah. it, you know, we, we could talk about capitalism and capitalist systems being that, too. You know, I, and um, unpopular opinion here, 
But whenever you hear people talking about crony capitalism and capitalism in government, they're one and the same. I hate to break it to you, but <laughs> Rockefeller, uh, the Astors, the you know the the uh, Mayor GM. Rothschild, they're Close married me. at the hip to the political process. So yeah, it, I know that's that sounds really nihilist and everything, and yeah, it kind of is. But since the advent of central banking in the United States. We haven't been a free country. I'm just here to tell you that that's, you know, and, and um, it always seems to be interesting. The people who call out the central banking systems. So um, I'll get yeah. off of that. No, 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 no. you're <laughs> right. It's not that. That's maybe uh, you should save that for um, Brendan O'Connell and, and do yes. a, do a, because yeah, he's going to have, man, it, have it back on next week. Yeah, he's be, good. Yeah, originally and, that was going to happen today, but I got sidetracked with uh, something else that was critically important. Yeah, um, but uh, Brennan, Brennan and I are going to start a um, like partisan TV kind of a thing too, where it's it, we're going to yeah. do shorts breaking yeah. down current events and and trying to give you a different the perspective of both and then where they meet in the middle, the left and the right, and you know centrist and communist and. China and Russia and Europe and American. We're, we're going to try to bring it all together, and uh, um, so and that sounds like a, a tall task, but it's actually quite simple. I'm doing it right now. So um, the so 2014 hits. Ukraine's economy was roaring full speed ahead as far as former Soviet shitholes go, and um, but they're actually not to insult Ukraine, but they're actually on their way to becoming the next hungrier Poland. And I, I would absolutely fight for the Ukraine if that's what they're going for, if that's the plan. And so about the about and I'll finish up in, in a minute about the um, shipments of weapons and, and, and everyone sending all that stuff over there and, and the hoo-ha and the bravado behind it. I, I would suspect that that was already dialed into the fiscal year, which is October for the U S government. If I recall correctly, yeah. I think if, I think if we were to look into that, it would see that we were already going to give them those missiles. And I would bet that money that half of those missiles were designated for training certification. Anyway. I mean, what's 300 fucking tom or uh, javelins. Like that sounds like a training session for a year. They were left you know over what I'm from Afghanistan. They were budgeted. Yeah. I promise you they were budgeted to go to Afghanistan. No, no, that's probably true. Yeah, that's it was use or lose equipment. Yep, what or TPE stuff? What we it's called. As far as um, a former armorer who actually was the guy that was signed for javelins, equipment like that that has batteries and um, explosives that can uh, decay over time and not be as effective. It's called uh, expendable durable. So it's like you use it yeah, or you return it to it. be broken down into its primary components and then remanufactured. So, yep. um, yeah, so that's called expendable durable. A battery is expendable durable, like a double A battery. And believe it or not, a tow missile and a javelin, a lot of that stuff um, falls into that category. Um, well, the, I, the, clue, the, the targeting system on it, the clue itself has a shelf life. Yeah, I think it's uh, five years, if I recall correctly. Yeah, so um, it, it's, it's the, entirely possible we just dumped off stuff that's about to be expired anyway. Um, maybe. Yeah, 
Usually I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But it would that would make sense. That would make so, sense. So uh, I'll finish up. I posted um, a series of three briefs um, by a uh, a uh, doctor on Ukraine. Some of them are modern warfare institutes. His name is um, Kepner, Doctor Kepner, Kepner, Kadner. Kat- I can't remember. Katner. Yeah. And so uh, um, I'll repost those two. Those are must watch. And it's interesting because like the BMP, the Soviet BMPs, uh, Madman was saying, man, you could only fit four people in those things. Actually, what they're doing is they're putting three soldiers and one sort of helicopter drone in them for reconnaissance. And that's like every other BMP, which is if you think about it, like. It sounds like a lot, but um, I know that one raven or two ravens per platoon was not enough because we had to use one raven to look for the other raven, and then we would have to go into Sodder City and go get it. But um, it was fucking pain in the ass. But so, um, so that I mean, if you're going into the age of electronic warfare with you know anti-drone EMP cannons and and antenna uh, capture and crash antennas or capture and recover capture and retrieve antennas uh leashing is what it's called a leash a drone leashing or whatever um a form of electronic warfare where you capture the other guy's drone um or like spoof them with fake intel and anyway Mm -hmm. um so uh that's more madman's um uh lane but he's he's told me about stuff like that which is just fascinating but um Look, I'll, I'll repost those and I will keep reposting those if you guys don't have the time and you're busy and you forget. But, man, you got to watch those. Anyway, that's that's it. I'm out. I'm tapping out. So where where we're going with that um, and excellent, excellent analysis. Um, you know, originally when when you had had posted those comments up, um, you know, and, and I read them. And, and I saw, I skimmed a couple of those posts that you had put up. I read the comments. Uh, I don't really know. Um, I definitely do not agree with the fact that Americans, that, that there's anything in Ukraine worth fighting. Um, I, I, I disagree with that. But, hey, that's that's fine. We can agree to disagree. I, I don't agree with, you know, everything that every author that is a contributor for AP post and and that's fine that that's the world that we live in you know i I mean i i'm first and foremost an isolationist um and you know always always have ideologically been you know ron paul um keep america's interests in america um you know and and yeah i fought overseas because where else are you gonna learn you know where else are you gonna learn where where else are you gonna you're gonna sharpen that but uh where i'm going with this is and I saw a couple of you in the chat room uh, who were asking about the stories that are breaking. Um, I was on the road for a little bit today, and I heard a, a little bit of some of the other, uh, the usual suspects on talk radio that were talking about the similar stories. And I, I'll lay in on a little secret about them. They they have a list of approved topics that they are handed. And there's a narrative that's being spun. They're they're all part of that. Um, they don't. They they have producers that are that are doing all of this for them. Uh, all of them do. 
Okay, all of them do that. They, the the real alternative media is is like stuff like this podcast here, where we're we're literally doing this um, I, as we go. We you know we I don't have a huge budget. It's it's all it, it is one hundred percent listener supported, um, and and what we do with American partisan. But anyway, uh, point is though behind all of that is this uh, the stories that that are coming out. Uh, military age males that are coming up from Central America in mass. They're being brought in. Uh, Peter Ducey, the uh, Biden called him stupid son of a bitch the other day, uh, which, you know, was I thought was very ironic for the left uh, to be taking up for that kind of behavior when we just had four years of them saying that, you know, how unpresidential it was for President Trump to be calling. Uh, a left-wing propaganda outlet, a statist propaganda outlet like CNN, fake news, literally calling them fake news. But anyway, uh, where I'm going with that is, is that he asked the question, Peter Ducey asked the question to Jen Psaki, the, the Chucky doll, um, you know, what about these flights that are coming in at two in the morning that are bringing all these quote unquote kids? Right. They're bringing in all these unaccompanied minors is what they're calling them. And as it turns out, um, the uh, Republican candidate for governor in New York, I think uh, I'll have to go back. I'm, I'm doing this completely off the cuff, but um, he's a Republican candidate for New York. There was a uh, cop in Watertown whose body camera caught it. And it has made its way out into the bloodstream. These, you know, these are not kids. These are military age males. All right. When we're doing an assessment, Madman, you know, we we talked about ISR. We got Badlands Fieldcraft in the house too. Um, you know, former Marine Corps infantryman. And when when we go to a place, you know, we're watching a village or whatever. We're counting the number of military age males. Why are we doing that? Because they're capable of doing something. They are capable of being a threat, right? They're capable of picking up a rifle and using it. So this is a really important story, not necessarily just because it's highlighting the fact that we're being invaded from the southern border. That's not a surprise to anybody. That's been happening for a long time now, and we need to be putting a stop to it, right? But that part you already know. When I was talking with Joe Dolio just yesterday, episode 128, go back and listen to that. He brought up the CSTO treaty and the CSTO treaty is something that um, I know a little bit about, but did not know, admittedly did not know the depths of the CSTO treaty, the Collective Security Treaty Organization. And this is one that is uh, was put into effect um, in 1994, and it was all former Soviet states that were coming back together. It's a security agreement. Uh, you can look this up. I had a link in the show notes to that. But now they have influence in South and Central America as well. And they pledged protection to Venezuela and security cooperation to Venezuela. Uh, Sergey Lavrov, who is the State Department um, or the the Secretary of State equivalent in the Russian Federation, came out and said that you know 
essentially they're going to be bolstering security cooperation, quote unquote, in Cuba, Venezuela, and other Central American countries, including Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. And each one of these countries um, also just had elections, have uh, pro-left-wing candidates who are in the back pocket of the communist Chinese as well. China has a huge influence down there to turn a complete blind eye to all of this. So this is all really significant. Where does all of these stories intersect? Where does all of this, this come together? Because since the very beginning of American Partisan, I've been really sounding the alarm bells on the fact that while we were focused exclusively on the Middle East for about two decades, America's adversaries were focusing on everything south of our borders and that they've been working very diligently to build all of this up, to build this this entire uh, massed army that is south of the border that is now invading the country. And that plan is in action now. Now, if you want to point the fingers at Democrats, Republicans, whatever, are they complicit in this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. They're absolutely complicit in it. Uh, but do I think that they're they are necessarily like all getting together and having an organized plan? I don't know about that. But I do know that the communist Chinese absolutely absolutely are going to exploit this are cheerleading this they are um, bringing this on and that they are going to they're going to uh, begin a plan a campaign of guerrilla warfare here inside of the United States it's going to begin with sabotage now my next story that I'm bringing up put it up on American partisan right report says feds have uncovered credible specific plans to attack the U.S. power grid. And of course, this came from the Associated Press, right? The lefty AP, we're the, we're the right AP, uh, American Partisan is, but the, the lefty AP, the Associated Press. And that story went on. And, and of course, when they say extremists, they mean uh, conservatives. There's another story that's up on American Partisan that this unhinged um, Democrat politician is is saying anybody who's a conservative, and we talked about this with Joe Dolio as well. I talked about it in the last um, uh, Radio Contra episode that basically, if you have a political opinion that is counter to whatever the state deems being acceptable, that they're going to target you. Now you become an extremist, and it's a sliding slope, and now now you're lesser of a person, and that's exactly what they do. All of these stories are intersecting because if you are beginning an insurgency, this is exactly how you do it. Okay, this is exactly how you do it. You put all this together and the Chinese have a huge amount of influence now. They've been bringing these people up. Mags in the chat room is saying any news from Del Rio, Texas. Well, it's still the hot zone. It's still the epicenter of the invasion coming from the south it's it's central americans it's south americans but it's also eastern europeans it's people from all corners of the world it's iranians it's folks from the middle east and the thing is is that we if if we don't know who's being brought in but we can assume that if you are bringing in military age males that is a military invasion. And you can also make a very solid assumption at that point. Because if you're going to assume, you assume the worst, 
right? The 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 most likely course of action, the most dead uh, deadly or dangerous course of action, ML Coa, MD Coa that we talked about in in Lessons from the Farm, uh, the the uh, patron series that that's over on. Um, uh, the patron side. If you click on that, you'll see those episodes. And I know a lot of you in the, in the chat box are, are uh, supporters of that, but anyhow, it is an invasion. Okay. And we, we have the, the, the pump is literally primed. Okay. You have supply chain shortage. You have people, you know, civil discord, people who are angry at one another, right? There's this degraded sense of nationalism. We don't really have national pride, right? We've been beat down. You've got all of this stuff happening, and now you have an invasion of military-age males coming from the southern border. We don't know what the level of training, even if 1% of those people who are being brought in, right, if, if 1% of those people have had any sort of military organizational training in small unit tactics and sabotage, whatever, and it's a, judging by the increase in the activities of cartels here domestically, we can easily say that, yeah, they probably do have that level of training. And it's going to get bad, and it's going to get hey, bad in a hurry. Scout, can I jump in real quick? Yeah. So with the um, small unit tactics training, um, you know, working construction, um, one of the companies I worked for had a lot of guys from South America. Um, it was mostly Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. And hold on, I gotta shut my snoring ass dog up. Um, so one of the guys from Honduras. He was telling me, um, cause I hobla a little bit Espanol and he was telling me in the eighties that he was in the Honduran army and there was Americans down there training him. And I was like, Oh shit, that was green berets. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of old guys that probably got small unit tactics training from our green berets, uh, a couple decades ago. So that's totally plausible. And now we're seeing a younger generation that's probably got that training handed down to them. So yeah, that, that, that is all the more group mission back then. Seventh group is who was down there. Yeah. Okay. For the most part. Yeah. So it's uh it's totally plausible that um, a lot of these guys coming across the border are not uh you know they might be wearing Adidas. And, and blue jeans, but they're uh, they're not well trained, but they're trained enough. So, Adidas and AKs go together good, though. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say they they Man, I need to get a jogging suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also just squat all day if if you're wearing an Adidas tracksuit and you have an AK. You just kind of like hang out with, with some other guys, or, you know, on a street corner and just squat, you know, you know I did the slob <laughs> squat. I, I was doing, uh, I do some rifle PT every once in a while. And I did the, the slob squat with my wazer. And I got to tell you that, that, that seems like a pretty stable shooting position, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, <Rice> patty <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, man, I can really like, I was holding on the doorknob down the hallway for like a solid 15 seconds and I didn't budge a whole lot. 
Did you pop your ass out like you're about to take a photo for Instagram? Uh, maybe. Wow. <laughs> maybe I did pop my ass out for Instagram. You don't know. Hey, hey. <laughs> Don't be knocking the chicks with guns, okay? I did it for a It was only fans, right? <laughs> you gotta work with your mama gave you. <laughs> only Hot. fans. I sent Patriot uh-huh. Man a picture uh, the other day of a, a gun bunny with a with a, a, a crank off. She was holding a suchka. Yeah, very, very, um, you know. Top heavy. Yeah, a little top heavy. I'm surprised she didn't tip over. Some big old boobies. <laughs> It was it was a great thing to receive like halfway through my work day because I was just sitting at my desk and I was like, oh, thank God. She had some she had some uh, some good looking, very classy uh, ink too on the upper thigh. I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. I was very I'm much a fan. A fan. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll send it to all y'all. I'll send it to all y'all. I would Tell appreciate you. that. Thanks, pal. Yeah, I'll be a pal, man. I'll be a pal. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The, the, but getting back to um, the bigger picture, though, uh, I put a link in in one of the stories. And uh, there's another direction I want to take the, the whole report on extremists and the grid and whatever, uh, which I, I think is and it, it is a absurd story the way that it was taken. The threat itself is real, but the, the way that the media spun it is absolutely ridiculous. But um, anyhow, you know, go back and, and up on American Partisan. I had overlays up. This was back in 2018, early 2018, when AP had first, you know, found its legs and, and guys started. Um, I put up overlays of the reopening of the Lorde's Signals Intelligence Station in Cuba. And I've talked about this on a number of podcasts. That is a staging area for bringing troops into the United States. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen if things were to get bad enough and go sideways? It would require peacekeepers to be brought into the United States to pacify some of the more dangerous areas. Right. This isn't conspiracy. Video I saw a while back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know it's a couple of documentary films it was one in 1984 and another one in 2012 or so a documentary no, I film. mean one that was made this past summer oh but <laughs> they they would need that manpower okay they, they would need manpower to be brought in to pacify those areas um, that that were in conflict and we can see that this is this is already beginning Um you know, William Ayers, one of the guys in, in the comments section was talking about uh, rules for radicals. Yeah, that's that's one. William Ayers, uh, Prairie Fire. If you go and look that up, you can find PDFs of that online. That was literally the stated goal. Okay. And William Ayers, now uh, University of Chicago professor, him and his wife, uh, Bernadine Dorn, and, uh, you know, advisors Rock to Obama's godfather. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> And so there you go, you know, uh, domestic, absolutely a domestic terrorist. Uh, you know, one of the, the, uh, members of the weather underground left wing domestic terrorist group, in the 1970s, um, killed police officers, uh, bombed the Pentagon, you know, and, and now these, these, uh, creatures, instead of getting what they deserved, 
they have very comfy positions in academia. And it was because of the FBI that they were allowed to run free and that they didn't get what they deserved. So, you know, it, it's it's there. It's a thing. OK, um, this this is all a very, very serious thing to uh, to understand and wrap your mind around that this is a long game. This is a plan that's been laid out that is coming together now. So it, it's it's absolutely real. Um, and, and the scary thing is, is that the Democrats have maintained a level of grasp over the institutions which are allowing all of these things to come together. Um, you know, so it, you really, whatever it is that you're doing right now, you know, it, is this the, uh, the, the, when, when we talk about being prepared for stuff, it's, it's not a meme. Okay. It, it's not just, you know, some hobby that we like to do. It's, this is real. It's because it is moving. And, and if you only look at things in day to day increments, or commercial break to commercial break, you're going to lose sight of it. But if you look at the long game, this stuff, it, it's coming together. It is a plan. Yeah, I mean, I I started prepping a few years ago. And uh, I got to tell you, like, if I wasn't convinced I wouldn't be spending all my money on this stuff, I'd be, like, driving around in a nice car and and doing a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, you know, what else have you guys seen? What talking about the the influx of military age males, these flights that are coming in. What else have you guys seen on all of this? I have actually. Oh, oh, go ahead, JP. So there has been a significant drop of men attending college and for my guys who uh, in green dragon who read the book club uh stealth war there's a chapter about how we're one of the aspects of losing the war is all our stem is like 30 percent foreign men and they're taking all of the we have a brain drain of our own going on you have to read the whole chapter, but basically there's like 2 million people that come to the U S to take STEM classes and to become engineers and doctors and everything. And they're taking jobs away from me. I know for a fact, I think I was a victim of that. I had pretty good grades and yet could not get into a STEM program to save my life. And, um, interestingly enough, there has been, there, there are 500,000 less men attending college in the last couple of years. And I mean couple, like two, three years. And I'm curious if maybe we seized control of, of one of the areas that allows people to come in and cut off that, uh, that funnel for getting people into the country. And that's it. I, I don't know. I've been looking into it for a while, and, and I can't tell. But that's that's the whole conversation right there. Uh, I need more info. Is request for information. That is an interesting point. 
I, I saw those numbers too, that, that a, something like 40% of males are going into a four-year school where it's it, like the advanced degrees, law school is something like 60% female now. Um, yeah. Just, just law schools, the, the, you know, the, some of the liberal arts master's programs are primarily female. I know uh, sociology is something like 70%. My um, program my classes were all 70% women for sure. Yeah. It's, that's an interesting phenomenon. Even at the community college level, um, you know, I obviously see numbers and um, I generate numbers and there is quite a decline in male attendance, even over the past five years, but it's really pronounced over 10 years. Uh, When you look at enrollment numbers, it's, it's to the point where now, you know, for a while, even like the literature wasn't talking about it, but now they are because it's become, they can't ignore it anymore. So, you know, on in theory, they're trying to fix it, but I don't think they actually are. Well, you keep calling all the white men racist neo-Nazis all day long and painting a target on the Crazy. Back. They don't want to go to school. It's wild. Yeah. Weird, man. They're saying that like it's a bad thing. Mac Matic, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Golf clap, everybody. Golf clap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. But now, I mean, that's definitely a thing. Um, but when you have it's very interesting too because when you have a surplus male population that is military aged being you know definition of military age male uh you know 14 to 40 you know that that's pretty much if if you're big enough to handle the recoil of a of a rifle you know you're you're military age male essentially if if you're big enough to be a threat so when you have a surplus population like that, that's um, they, that's that's a recipe for interesting times in and of itself. Um, because when when you have males that don't have anything else to do, ah, man, it, it you know the, the social control mechanisms that end up uh, having to be put in place to maintain power. Uh, maintain control and authority o- over a populace. It's that's it, man. It is that's interesting. That is an interesting uh, hole to go down. I was gonna say, isn't that what they call the infantry? Yeah, Males with nothing better to do. <sighs> yeah, that was kind of my story. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the stories. Oh, the the <laughs> story. That that's how you end up drinking. Uh, a fifth of of Evan Williams listening to David Allen. That's how that happens. That is how that happens. That's genetics. You wake up in a cardboard box, and you learn never to do that again. That's just a horrible idea. Just oh, man, I paid for that one dearly. Uh, ooh, 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 ooh. But um, anyway. So shifting, shifting on here, uh, this story going back to the story about, um, 
the Fed's Department of Homeland Security uncovered this credible specific plan to attack the U.S. power grid. Um, and I think this is really funny because everybody that I know uh, who I would consider, you know, conservative, patriot, has been calling out the vulnerabilities of the grid, not wanting to attack it, but to protect it. Um, that, that's kind of what, I don't know, it, maybe it's just the crowd I run with. I don't know, we, we don't want bad things to happen. But um, anyway, diving into this story, the uh, Associated Press, the, the lefty AP, uh, saying anti-government extremists have developed credible, specific plans to attack electricity infrastructure. Um, you know, and and of course, then they they note the whole uh, this Patriot Front thing, which I think is is a good topic of discussion as well. What are you guys' thoughts on this story? I'm concerned of the wording because they keep it so vague. But at the same time, that kind of makes me feel better about it because they didn't specify anybody. Because um, we know that the lefties, like the the radical communists, have been talking about, hey, less street violence, more coordinated attacks on infrastructure. Um, right. That got put out by like Sam Culper and friends uh, like a year ago. So yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, JC, you were going to say something. I didn't mean to cut you off, pal. Well, to to what you said about the the ambiguity and labeling, it's it's very easy for them to direct it specifically when when they're if they're ambiguous initially, they can they can uh, laser focus in on something specific after an incident happens, whether it's false flag or not. That's part of the problem with it being ambiguous as far as the, the labeling. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the conservative side of things have been pointing that stuff, the infrastructure uh, frailty and, and all for years. And, uh, I mean, you go all the way back to, uh, I guess, what was it, mid mid to late 90s when they had the um, had a committee that was specifically talking about EMP and all because uh, <clears throat> Newt Gingrich and a couple of the others, uh, Roscoe Bartlett and all, were, were part of that. Um, I remember, what uh, was it, uh, one second after, I believe, was it uh, Newt Gingrich or Roscoe Bartlett wrote the forward to it, talking about what they had, what they had talked about in that committee and pointing out these facts, but the government, I think they, they purposely ignored it. I, I don't think yeah. it was something where they felt they didn't want to deal with it. I think they purposely ignored it. And that's because that's just one more thing that they have, one more tool in the toolbox they can use as a control control measure or false flag. So, of course, that's just conspiracy talking, but, you know. Well, no, I mean... <laughs> Well, the, the the term false flag, you know, and, and Alex Jones made it famous, but we we see it over and over again. You can't yeah. uh, you can't deny that this is a technique that has been used. It and it's so um, it it's it's almost become so ubiquitous now that they're not even they're not even pretending about it anymore. 
Mm-hmm. They're not even trying to uh, make it seem like it's not a thing. They just kind of are like, yeah, that happens. And, Nothing and is that on. convenient. Nothing. Yeah. I, I mean, the the language much, really, really... had a gun vote really... coming up in, in the legislature, you could almost always guarantee there was going to be some either small-scale or large-scale um, gun violence false flag right before they took a vote. That was that was yeah. almost the 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 uh, mo in the nineties. <clears throat> Funny the, how the language works. in that article was really really similar to that extremism brief that we got in the DoD. It was it was very very vague. The wording was very open to interpretation. Um, they didn't really specify anybody in particular, but you could definitely tell like who they were hinting at. They were talking about. Right. Well, and it's funny because the DOD then did a, they did a, they did an investigation and like found a hundred cases of extremism and like only 10 of them were white supremacists, but like they buried that quick. Well, I mean, yeah, 2009, the MIAC reports that came out, <laughs> It was pushed pushed by um, what was that uh, that Winch's name that was head of DHS at the time. Um, anyway, they basically it said those of us that were coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan were more than likely going to become some type of supremacist or anti-government, um, you know. Uh, Conspiracy nut or something. <laughs> I mean, I, Whose I fault is that? Original copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hoggy, of course. <laughs> I mean, not all civilizations are created equal. You know, let's <laughs> let's be honest. Some have the wheel. The average IQ Some is have to give the wheel to others. I I tell you what surprised me the most about Iraq is coming from a construction background before I signed up. I know for a fact that if I built a sewage system that was just a pipe that led to the middle of nowhere and didn't even have joints so that the neighborhood could tie into the sewage system and basically they just laid a bunch of like four-foot pipes and two-foot pipes everywhere but nobody bothered to tie into it and then halfway through the job they just gave up on it. I mean, what kind of fucking idiot is running your infrastructure? Like... I mean, it was just well, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, there's two, I have two examples of, okay, how many times were you driving down the road and a dude in a man dress was squat alongside the road taking a shit? Uh, the entire time I was there? <laughs> exactly. Now, I'll give you something even better. Is Are we it, talking about San a, Francisco? A, a, <laughs> no, this was, this was in, uh, I think it was Bethesda. There was a uh, Hispanic male um, that was in a mall, and he saw that there was an area in one corner of the mall where there was a planter. No one was around. He went over. I've seen the video of the dude. He went over. He got up on top of that planter, and he took, he flung a loaf right into the bark of that friggin' plastic plant. I don't know if it reminded him of home or what, but that... Did that you know? I mean, he, <laughs> I I didn't notice if he uh, took a plastic leaf and wiped his ass with it. Of course, he probably just wiped it with his hand. But 
But that's I mean, you know, I've seen crackheads do that. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds like heroin to me. Yeah, it, yeah, that's, that's a heroin yeah, thing. This guy too, was just a, a Spanish dude that had to take a shit. He wasn't right. he wasn't high or anything. He just saw it was an area that you no, know, if it was a crackhead, he'd probably done it and wouldn't give a shit if anybody was around or not. So, so you got, that so. sounds like the ick. That sounds like the ick, man. You, you guys know those hot dog carts in New York that they push around New York City? Yeah. yeah. So I, I went to Central Park once and I was hungry. So I got one. A little Dijon mustard on it. I made it about 500 yards. And it was the, uh, you know, that feeling in your stomach. <laughs> it turns like upside down. And I'm like, oh, my uh-huh. God. And I'm not about uh-huh. to just crap my pants. So I'm running around. and I'm, There's all these boulders, you know, and I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And finally, luckily, there's a place called the Boathouse. And it has a public restroom that looks like any terrible truck stop bathroom. And I, I made it in there in time. But, yeah. I know what it's like sometimes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 We had we had uh, some guys from that, that I used to work with on the way back from uh, from court. Um, it was a it was a long court trip from Cumberland, Maryland, down to Baltimore and back. And uh, they uh, they had stopped and gotten some I guess it was some milkshakes from Sheets convenience store, and they were on their way up there. Well. I guess the urge hit two of them at the same time because they had to stop and they had their asses hanging over the side of a, a, a guardrail, flinging a loaf right into the into the uh, down over over a slope. Um, I mean, it, like you said, when the when the when, when the urge hits, <laughs> luckily none of the people they had originally taken to court were with them. But uh, yeah. That's uh, but like I said, you you know, you just like Johnny was talking about over in a place like that. You know, most of the stuff is done half-ass, uh, if it's done, and and if it's completed, that's a huge thing. Um, how many construction projects did we see over there that that were only partially done for whatever reason? Um, all all of them. I mean, it, I I couldn't believe it. Like how they can run like electrical to like half the neighborhood and and then they just like stop building the junction box and then everyone's just running their own cables up to it and dude it contrary to popular belief but it does rain and snow over there i've seen it mm-hmm. yep. and oh yeah so yeah it snows a in lot. Baghdad. i've i've a hiked a lot, actually i've yeah it does i've hiked across like miles of crunchy shit that's that's frozen like and um and like and you can you're walking down the street and like you see a yeah. steamy one and you're like oh there was there was just a guy like sitting in this guard post <laughs> like there's a steamy yeah. pile of shit right on the ground um but uh like literally and um so but like they tie into it man when it rains it sounds like freaking the invasion <laughs> of baghdad like all the transformers are exploding wires are popping and burning in the street and they they use the you know, everything plugs from like the movie the christmas story when they had all the lights go out in their house everything's um yeah everything's um Stacked on top of other plugs yeah everything's high voltage over there so it's they don't have uh 110 or 120 it's it's 210 or 220 and like a number of times like we would drive through a neighborhood and and they had to make it they had to leave their doors unlocked. That was the rule. 
so that we could enter your house at any time. You had to have your door unlocked. And you had to welcome us into your house. That was another rule. And this was during the Obama years, too. <laughs> Combat patrols were over. But um, so, yeah. Uh, and then um, so they were called presence patrols. And so um, they would crisscross 220 volt across the street. And man, I ran into 220 volt so many fucking times. I probably got electrocuted like 20 times. And I know, you know, in America, 220 volt like kills you right away. Their power grid is all fucked up over there and, and things are a little different. <laughs> I think it's 220 volt at like five to 10 amps. It's not like 220 volt at 20 amps. It's, it's a different type of system over there. But anyway, uh, yeah, I got zapped multiple times and, but the, the, it's like they crisscross across the streets. You can't drive a Humvee without ripping down all of the power. And then they come out and they're like, oh, you know, you owe us money for, for destroying this infrastructure. You know, you have to pay us right now, American. And it's like, dude, we're not paying you to run an electrical line across the street like a lazy asshole. Like, you have to build it correctly. What if we give you a Mark 19 instead? Yeah. Well, I used to just... We used to just like shove our M4s in their face and be like, get away from me. You're disgusting human being. So, but um, <laughs> it was a different world over there for sure. And like their problems are solely because they fail as a civilization. And that's, uh, that's what drew me to. They AP. or them? Both. And um, them fail. <laughs> yeah, they they fail. And so it's important to understand that civilization is a delicate balance. And without the trades, you know, putting our because our country is I work in the construction industry and, and I'm telling you right now, everything is falling apart and being put back together as it's falling apart. And it's like Huey's from the Vietnam War. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, how much of the Iraq thing was due to the whole anti-Bathist party policy? Like, uh, I mean, I think bullshit. the insurgency... Like, <laughs> if you worked for the Bath Party, you no longer have a job. Well, I mean, goes that, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, was, yeah, that, that was a horrible what idea. Are of a, what, what the priorities are of a particular society. What they, what they consider the most important thing... You know, as generally a society that's that's got a squared away civilization, they've got their shit squared away. They know what's important. And, you know, in places where there's a lot of greed, uh, where, where greed, you know, overrides a lot of other things because they think I'll get what I can today because tomorrow I'll probably be dead or or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, it's just I mean, I, I've never seen people as as callous to losing a, a kid as as i did the people in iraq but part of that is i mean that's for a good reason um it's just life is not valued there like it is here and i think that's one of the where the the biggest biggest uh biggest failings and and you can generally see that throughout the world the places the places that don't didn't even have a wheel until we brought it to them, that that was that was part of the problem was their their value of life wasn't as high on the list as that of a of a uh, square away first uh, first world society. 
Yeah. They were teaching me in class once about how Iraq invented all of these brilliant methods of moving water. Uh, if you look at satellite images of Iraq and, and you look at the carvings of like the abandoned, um, the abandoned uh, like temples of worship and, uh, yeah. and the, uh, in the middle of the desert, the carvings all show that temple in the middle of a gigantic like salt marsh or freshwater marsh surrounded by like fields of grain and wheat. Well, it's just a desert now. Like it's, it's just gone. But the trenches and the ditches and the irrigation channels or canals are still there. They're filling up with sand and they'll be gone soon. But they're like thousands of years old and, and you can still see them. And um, you, you can really see them from satellite imagery. So they did invent some really great methods of like moving water, which they attribute to Islam, but actually they're just Roman designs from when Rome and Greece colonized the area. And then they took these ideas and the only surviving documents are Islamic scholars. So they credit Islam with it, but they know for a fact it's not Islam. And if you read your textbook all the way through in college, it actually says that they didn't invent it and that the Romans and Greeks introduced it to the area. And if you watch all the documentaries, they have like they spend like 45 minutes in the documentary worshiping Islam and sucking some Islamic dick. But it if you watch the documentary and listen closely, they do have that one sentence that says, yeah, these are all like Roman inventions and Greek inventions. But, you know, we're just going to we're just going to give the other guy a passing grade on the exam for no reason. And and so uh, it's kind of like the American Everybody education system. Yeah, it's kind of like the American education system. And so th that was like 4,000 years ago that they kind of, in, or I'm sorry, not 4,000, like it was like 1,200 years ago that they kind of invented something, but the, really they just like repaired it and cloned it and copied it. And each subsequent copy got like more lazy and more useless and less efficient to the point yeah. where the technology it, it, just fell to pieces and was totally destroyed and useless. Well, no. And, and, but talking about the whole Islamic thing, so cultural appropriation, which the left loves that, that is one of their things they love, love to talk about uh, cultural appropriation, but that culture, the definition of cultural appropriation is when you take things, you take credit for things that another civilization or another component of your civilization did. And you're claiming it as, as, as the roots for some sort of superiority, right? Islam does that and it does oh, yeah. it pretty regularly. And, and that's one example of them doing that is claiming that they invented all this. The truth of it is, is after Genghis Khan completely annihilated the Middle East because he did. Yeah. He, he came across um, and he really hit the uh, Tigris and Euphrates, the Fertile Crescent. When he hit that place, I mean, because Islam had gotten really decadent at that point, and that's some of the contention between the, uh, the inheritors of the Persian Empire, the Iranians, and everybody else in that region that that's another part of it there is the the whole sunni shia split 
right? That that is, but this this is the the Islamic Reformation because I remember uh, I think it was Glenn Beck that used to talk about you know oh Islam never had a Reformation. Well, you know, well you never got an education. Uh, yeah, you never, they you tried never, to have a Reformation. <laughs> they, well, they no no no. See, they did have a Reformation. It went in the opposite direction though. It did not liberalize. Um, the Quran and, and their belief system, what it did was they went to a very ultra orthodox version of it for the, that component of civilization that got wrecked the hardest. And that was the Sunnis. They got hit the hardest and that's where Wahhabi Islam comes from. That's why, you know, when, when uh, you ever deal with a Sunni, they're very pious and they are very, um, they're, I don't I don't really like using the the Amish comparison but they they're kind of that that's really the only one that I can think of is they they're when we say fundamentalism that's what they that that's kind of what we're talking about right when when we use that to describe them yeah and um but they they got wrecked so they had uh Said Qutb who was one of the uh most instrumental guys in, in the formulation of uh, Wahhabi Islam, and that's the event that he points to, is Genghis Khan coming in because Islam was so decadent and it got so far away, at least in, in their estimation, it got so far away from the fundamental teachings of the Hadith that you know they had to get back to it and they had to get back to the fundamentals. And so um, that's something in the West that a lot of people really don't understand. So recognize that they have a complete non-understanding of it. And so really to your point, I'm about to wrap it up is that that's the reason their society is the way it is. They don't really have any, any sort of objective. And so whenever I hear like, Oh, they invented this, they invented that bullshit. They didn't invent anything. Um, Anybody that's lived in that part of the world for any amount of time knows they didn't invent a damn thing there. Uh, they, they can't even build, you know, as you guys are pointing out, they can't even take care of their own, build complete structures. Um, yeah. And that's the reason. It's the belief system is the reason for it. Now, you know, the, the ancient Persian kings, the, um, you know, well, Iran's a different story. Right? So I'm going to leave them out of it because they, they don't really fall into this category. They actually are pretty competent in a lot of things that they do. But when it comes to Iraq, like uh, ancient Mesopotamia and the Assyrians and the Babylonians, yeah, they, they did a lot. They achieved a lot. But after the advent of Islam, especially after the Islamic Reformation, nah, that, that all went out the window. Yep. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And uh, to finish my point real quick, I don't want to burn up too much of Sons of Liberty with my dumbass voice, but I asked the teacher, I was like, if they're so smart, why are all of their country, all 56 of their countries unlivable, unlivable, all 56 Islamic republics are unlivable with the exception of Iran, which actually is a um, place where people from um, Europe travel and, and they're skiing and it's actually a nice place. Talk to Brendan O'Connell about it. He'll tell you about it. We have the Zionist opinion of Iran in America and England because yeah. that's dominates a British lot of our media. Yeah, it, it dominates a lot of our media and the the Zionists and Eng namely mostly England, 
France and um, and Israel, obviously. Uh, they don't want us to go over to Iran and start being friends with Iran because Iran Iranians are pretty cool. There's an Iranian community in Baltimore, and they're yeah. uh, hella fun, and their families they're like Catholics. I mean, if you if you get along with with like fun loving middle class Catholics, you'll love Iranians. They're the same people. Um, so with the only difference being Catholic and Islam, that's it. Other than that, they're the same people. But, uh, so yeah, I, I told the teacher, I was like, their countries are totally unlivable. And anyway, and then, so, uh, the other point is, um, we're going to see them really, they haven't even begun to censor the schools yet because this information is still in the textbooks today. It, the truth is buried in the textbooks. So there's going to be a whole nother wave of purges and stuff. Um, and man, it's coming. It's coming. Anyway, I'm, t I'm tapping out. Uh, I'd like to hear from Badlands on the Ukraine and what he thinks is going to go on there. And, and then yeah. Mech Medic's getting ready to just fire up some medical training. And if we could touch on that, because yeah. I have some, I have some real training scars from the middle of GWAT. And we recently had a uh, family friend pass away and nobody, I just learned, Nobody at the construction site knew CPR. Wow. Holy yeah, shit. How, how's that for following your OSHA requirements to teach CPR to your people? <laughs> he was the boss, man. Ooh. It's too bad. Damn. Well, they found him next to his truck. Dang. Damn. Damn. Sorry, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's uh we've known him for like twenty years. And um it's unfortunate he owned he owned one of the larger landscaping companies in the in the area. And he was a he was a part of the community for sure. It's unfortunate. But CPR, man, very important. Gotta know it. Yeah. So, uh, damn. On that note, we'll lighten lighten the mood a little bit. Badlands, man. Um, Ukraine. Hadn't really heard a whole lot out of you, brother. So, w what are what's your assessment of how all this stuff is coming together, man? Well, <clears throat> so I'm no intel guy. I was a grunt, right? But I do work in the pipeline industry, and I know a thing or two about the oil and gas industry. And I, I think back to, like, when Obama was in, and we just had to get into Syria. You know, we got to get that Bashar al-Assad out of the way, right? We got to support those moderate liberal – or uh, moderate rebels. <laughs> and yeah. uh, John you McCain know, told us. He had yeah. yeah, you know, there was all the people in their dress uniforms holding up the cardboard signs and taking selfies, you know. Yeah. Well, that that was all I always thought that was because they wanted to run a they wanted to get him out of the way so they could run a pipeline from Qatar up to I believe it was Turkey to feed natural yep. gas to Europe. Yep. And god dang, we had to get in there and fight that damn war, you know. And yeah. I just we got the same people in charge and son of a bitch if Russia ain't just got to get got to get in the Ukraine, you know. So I, I think they want to get into the Ukraine. I think they are 
definitely uh, not trying to get away from a fight. So that's kind of where I see things going. And then you got, just like you've been saying, everything south of the border, you know, and so, you know, we can now export liquefied natural gas to Europe. And the big ports for that are down in the Gulf. And then you got Cuba sitting right at the mouth of the Gulf. So I don't know. I think natural gas is playing a big part in a lot of this stuff. Uh, Pipelines are playing a big part in a lot of this stuff. And keep an eye on both of them. That's about all I got for that. uh, Badlands, did you see the post about the liquid natural gas processing facility for Russia's Arctic Road? And the fleet of ships dedicated to I, supporting that. I did that one that you put up. I didn't get all the videos watched, but I did watch the one about the uh, the f- big facilities they built up there in uh, northern Siberia. That was pretty amazing. I mean, is that not an incredible? They built the whole thing and then mock assembled it on site on on a separate location packed it up and then shipped it up there like a Lego set and assembled it in the middle of Arctic. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I I mean, it is because they got their asses, you know, they were hurting back in 2015 when we, um, you know, all the Bakken oil was hitting the world markets and basically putting them and Saudi Arabia in the hurt locker. And basically we were in a big slug fest to see who could produce the fastest oil and drive that price down below what was profitable to produce it. And we won that. And I think they learned their lesson. And so they're looking for any other way they can get um, to be competitive in that market again. I, I mean, it, it's entirely possible and we could run it at a loss and we can eat that because we have the best coal in the country, in the world, I mean. Um, Donald Trump was telling the truth when he said that, and I think he, I think he was kind of like low-key threatening the world, like, you know, you need our coal because it's low, we have like the only low sulfur coal in the world. And um, at least that's my understanding. My friend actually works at one of those mines in Pennsylvania, and that's, that's my understanding of that. Um, there might have been a recent discovery in the last four years because of the threats that were made, the low-keyed, veiled threats. But, yeah, very interesting. The energy industry is very Well, and even if you look at, you know, what the Russians are doing in northern Siberia, I mean, they still got to get it to market. You know, we've got that down pat. We can take oil or gas, whatever you want to call it, from the center you know, the, the furthest reaches of our country from the ocean, and we can have it there in a day or two, you know, and then it can get processed into whatever you want to make it, and we can ship it out. They don't even have close to that capability, so they're going to be struggling for a long time to catch up. It's Plus, true. their country's true. bigger, you know. So I just remembered why the sulfur coal is re- – the, lo- the zero sulfur coal is required. One, you have to process the sulfur out of the coal, but in case of an emergency like a war – or um, an economic emergency, you have to put the sulfur coal into your equipment. And when you put sulfated coal into your equipment, it dissolves your equipment. So if you were going to get 30 years out of that um, coal power plant, when you start putting sulfur coal into it, it literally creates acid 
and dissolves your entire power plant and your power plant's fucking toast and you can never clean it out of there. And so, and so your power plant goes from being like a 30 year power plant to being like a 10 year power plant. And then you got to build a whole new one. And so it's like the damage to your economy is like, you're not making the progress that it looks like you are on paper because you have to build a new plant and pay the money to disassemble the, well, China probably would just abandon it, but you have to pay the money in the West at least to build a new one. And then you're in, you're in Montana. So you know about all the coal over there. Like we have untapped coal resources in Wyoming, in one County alone in Wyoming, there is enough coal to power the entire United States for 300 years. And I was reading earlier the Ukraine has a similar deposit of coal, which was recently seized by Russia in the in 2014 during the occupation. Oh yeah, we've got we've got energy reserves in this country for a long time. You know, everybody talks about uh, you know the world or the dollar being collapsed by everybody not using it. I think we could just as easily turn around and collapse the energy markets if we actually went full speed. I mean, we we literally just fuck around so that we don't like sink OPEC and everybody else. You know, the the rubles tied to the price of oil. All we got to yeah, do yeah. is crank it up, and they're done. So I mean, you know, I'm not saying that those aren't things to be concerned about, but there's there's a bigger picture, I guess, sometimes too. Yeah, and, and we did that. Uh, we literally did that under Trump. There, uh, there was one point late in his uh, presidency where oil, the, the price of uh, sweet crude, was actually in the negative, um, which is there, – there was a lot of things that factored into that, but you're exactly right. You're exactly right in, in uh, what you're pointing out. And, and you know, it, that concurs with, with everything that I've seen, um, you know, and, and kind of has, has built my assessment as well. Shifting gears a little bit, though, uh, MechMedic coming back to the medical training. So you've got TC3 coming up this weekend, and I know that you've got a bunch more classes up on the calendar as well. Yeah, uh, let me grab my calendar. Uh, I got a paper one. Always have to have it back up. So uh, we've got class this weekend. Um, I know it's short notice, but we've still got space if anybody wants to uh, sign up. We got class coming up uh, next month, the 18th and 19th of February. And then March, uh, cool thing in March we got going on is uh, actually got in contact with Bob Griswold, uh, running it resources. We're doing a class out in Tennessee. Uh, out his way the 25th through the 27th of March. Um, and then I, uh, for all you guys on the West Coast, I have one in June in Wyoming. Um, I'll have to get the dates for you on that. They're on my website. And then uh, I have one in Spokane, um, going back to my uh, stomping grounds in Eastern Washington uh, in October. And that one is the seventh to the ninth. That's a PLS class. Yeah. So yeah, medical training. I mean, you know, go back and, and listen to the interview that I did with Clay Martin uh, just last week, a few episodes back. And he really hammered home the need for medical training and said, you know, basically, you know that you're on a good uh, ODA 
or Operational Detachment Alpha, SF team, Special Forces team, uh, something he's got a lot of experience in. He said basically the, the mark that he knew that he was on a good team is how much medical training they were actually doing. And, and the more that they were doing, the more serious that, that they took it, knew that he was on a good team. Need to be getting that training. You know, um, brother, I brought you in. You know, you, you were you, you were teaching your classes and stuff, and then you came up and you taught a class for me, and I instantly knew this is a guy that, that you know, he is teaching critical skills, and he does it in a way, you know, for all of you that have had class with me, um, you know, you, you know what to get or, or what you're getting out of a class with me. You're going to get every bit of that same laid-back teaching style, a guy who actually wants to impart that knowledge on you. And, you know, we've done a bunch of podcasts together. We're going to, you know, try and get another one knocked out here pretty soon. We're going to be talking about a lot of the same stuff. But, you know, for everybody out there, you need to be seeking medical training. Because it and it's not just for combat related injuries. It's you know that that's the drama stuff, right? But it's literally it could be anything. Chainsaw, anything. Yeah, chainsaw, splitting malls, car doors. Economic issue suddenly powers up and down. You just got a wood burning stove. You never really ran a chainsaw before, and suddenly there's blood. (laughs) Owie. (laughs) <laughs> and as someone who's taken mech's first i took mech's first course and then i just took one back in december uh i cannot recommend it enough i'm actually gonna be taking another one uh quite soon as well because this is the kind of stuff that you constantly have to be practicing and drilling into you in order to retain it um this is very much you know everything is a perishable skill but to me personally medical is very much a perishable skill so i'll be taking another one very very soon oh yeah yeah I agree. I'm going to be like shooting's fun. I love shooting. I'm always going to make time to go shooting. But if I'm going to come to a brush beater sponsored class, it's going to be a medical class or a communications class. And the medical is just so important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a cornerstone and, you know, you know, Johnny, you pointed out something the beginning of, of the episode. Um, you know, you had training scars from what we learned during the GWAT, you know, and I realized that when I sat in, uh, MechMedic came up here the very first time that he taught a course. I sat in on it and, you know, I've done everything. I've done live tissue training. I have worked on, oh God, countless casualties. Um, you know, across just over three years of of being deployed and worked on a few people stateside, Uh, a couple of incidents that happened while I was in. And I just so happened to to have my kit bag with me, Um, seeing stuff, you know, around Fort Bragg, motorcycle wreck and a couple other car accidents. Right. Um, You know, cars smacking each other up and whatnot. Look, you, you don't know, okay? You, you don't know all this stuff, and you got to stay sharp on it. And I realized very, very quickly with MechMedic's class, just sitting in the back and listening and observing, thinking in the back of my head, man, I know all this stuff. And then I had that moment, oh, shit, I don't know all this stuff. Um, I thought I knew all this stuff. He knows all this stuff. And that's, you know, 
you you got to be on top of your game, you know, and and you can't the the medical stuff is constantly evolving. You can't just take it one time and master it. You need to be doing it fairly regularly as well. And brother, I know you've got IFAX for sale as well. Magnetic. Yeah, I've got uh yeah, I've got IFAX and then um I've also got the uh the bleeders, um the ones that uh fit into the UW gear bleeder pouches. Uh, I got those up on the on the site and in person. Um uh they're they're both absolutely insane. Um two good good pieces of kit. So anyway, uh with just two minutes, we've got the two minute warning. Two minutes Left on the clock for all of you that were ever on status. You'll find that pretty funny. Mm. Uh, but anyhow, last words for this edition of Sons of Liberty. The Arctic Road by Russia. Come into an economic theater near you. <laughs> Uh, only piece of advice I'd say is if um, you don't have your ham radio license, study, study, study. Amen. Anything else? Don't be a drink American beer. President. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, folks, uh, Friday, it's always interesting. Tomorrow's Friday. Friday always be seems to be when the spicy news happens so that they have something to talk about over the weekend. It's just one of them funny things. Keep your nose to the grindstone. Stay engaged and keep your head on a swivel because I think we are living in very, very interesting times. And we, of course, all of us, all of you out there, we're all doing the job that the independent media is assigned to do. God bless all of you. Good night. Stay safe. And we will be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout, Sons of Liberty Live.